Morning, you guys are a fine voice this morning, which is uh, good, good to hear. And uh, guys, great, great. I love worshipping with, with you guys. Thank you, Mark and Debbie and Gordon, for leading us so well. And wonderful to be here to, to worship uh, as ever. As, as most of you guys uh, know, you, you know me, I'm Sam. And uh, Amy, my wife, and I had the privilege of... Sh- shall I grab the other mic? Would that be helpful? It wouldn't be a Sunday morning without some technical shenanigans, would it? That's the... Uh... One, two. Is that better? I think we get some feedback on that one. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so, so God, as, as, you guys, as you guys know, God called Amy and I to plant here six, six and a half years ago now. And uh, it's been a great, it's been such a privilege uh, to lead here. It's been a real privilege to, to be uh, with you guys. And one of the things that I've enjoyed most, one of the biggest privileges I've had over the last six and a half years, is just opening the word with you guys and, and reading the Bible. And I've learned so much over the last few years and whether that be on a Sunday morning or in small groups as we've discussed and you guys have raised things and it's been great it's been it's been good to do that and it's going to be a privilege again this morning just to, we're going to open the Bible we're going to we're going to have a look and uh, see what God has for us uh, now one of the, the funny things about being a preacher is as you go through the week you'll be reading things or you'll be thinking of things and you go oh that's that'll be a great preach sometime that's that's a great thing or something will spark an idea and you'll kind of form an outline in your head for a, for a message but it won't fit with the series you're doing so I've got about 30 preachers to get through this morning, so I hope you guys are comfy, and uh, this is my last chance to kind of wheel them all out and get them done, so, uh, so get comfortable. No, we, we'll, um, we'll, we'll just stick with one, we'll just stick with one. Uh, for those of you who were here, most of you weren't, but a couple of you guys were here six and a half years ago, you might remember my first preach, and uh, my first preach, I remember saying, this, this is not what I might have expected to preach on for the first time at starting a new church. It was a list of names in Matthew chapter 1. That was the, the first ma- message we had. And again, th- this morning, actually, what I feel God's prompted in me to bring might not be the most obvious message that I was expecting to bring at the close of play for my time here at Good News Church. Um, and yet, that's what, that's what we're going to be doing. And so before I get into it, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to lead here and to, to be with you guys. It has been a tremendous privilege. And, uh, and this morning obviously marks that moment of my stepping down. So from today, after today, I won't be an elder here at, at Good News Church. And uh, it's a sort of a handing over of responsibility to, to Paul, uh, who's going to take on that baton of responsibility of, of leading here in that spiritual eldership capacity. And so... That's, that's great. So why don't we pray, and uh, then we're going to get stuck in. If you uh, want to find a Bible somewhere, we're going to be in Matthew today. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 7. Um, so I'll pray for as long as it takes for you to find Matthew chapter 7, and uh, we can see what happens. King Jesus, King Jesus, we thank you for this word, the Bible. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to read it in our own language We thank you that we get to understand it. We thank you that we get to enjoy it week by week here at Good News Church. Holy Spirit, who inspired these words to be written, we ask that you would come and imprint them on our hearts. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir our hearts this morning as we study these words that you inspired, and that ultimately we would become more like Jesus as a result of what we read and of what we hear you saying to us 
today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we don't want to just grow in knowledge this morning. We want to change and we want to be more like Jesus as a result of this morning. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, come, make our hearts soft. Make our hearts soft so that the word lands and bears fruit. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, so I want us... I've started a new job, obviously, as you guys know, recently. And one of my colleagues just this week, they asked me quite an interesting question. They said, Sam, I know you lead a church, but are you a Christian? That was, that was, that was her question. And uh, I, I was like, yeah, I, I, I am. And I, and I thought, that's a really interesting question to ask. But actually, I wonder whether that question is more insightful than, than we might think. Because do you know what? Leading a church doesn't make me a Christian, right? It doesn't. In fact, there are lots of church leaders who frankly aren't. And, and so, so it has made me think, and I wonder, what is it that makes someone a Christian? What is it that makes someone a Christian? What is that thing that you look for? I think Jesus gives us a clue here in Matthew 7. We're going to read just a few verses in Matthew 7 and verse 15. Jesus says this, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus has given us a clue here. How do you know if someone's a Christian? What's the mark of a Christian? He says, a Christian is someone who bears good fruit. He bears good fruit. Now, the next obvious question then is, what does that look like? (laughs) Right? What is that fruit that we are looking for then? Now the truth is, when I ask this, I, I, you might be thinking and have some ideas as to what that might be. And in our charismatic kind of um, way of doing things here at Good News Church and in our kind of Christian tradition of the charismatic, we might look for those signs and wonders. Those, someone who's got a big healing ministry, surely they have got good fruit, Right? Someone who's got a great preaching ministry, surely they've got good fruit. And a great worship leader, surely that's the fruit that we're looking for, right? Now, those things are good and they might be an indication of good fruit. They might be an indication that someone is chasing after Jesus. But I don't believe that's the litmus test. And the reason I don't believe that is because Jesus carries on and he tells us it's not in the next few verses. In our, in our English Bibles, I don't know if it's the same in yours, we, we have the, these helpful little subheadings which kind of help us navigate and know what a passage is about, but sometimes they can be unhelpful because they break up a flow of thoughts in the Bible. And we read a whole little paragraph there with a subheading, but actually Jesus is carrying on his train of thought into the next few verses. And so let's carry on reading. So let's see what Jesus is going to say about this fruit. Thus, verse 20, you will recognize them by, your, by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? 
and do mighty works in your name, and then I, will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's interesting, isn't it? It's almost like Jesus knows where our mind is going to jump to. When he says, by your fruits, you will know them. It's almost like Jesus knows that we're going to be looking for those giftings. We're going to be looking for those outward expressions of public ministry and healings. And he says, no, people will prophesy in the name of Jesus. People will do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. But that's not necessarily saying they're a Christian. Interesting. So what is it then? What is it, that fruit, that God is looking for in the lives of Christians? Jesus tells us, I don't know if you spotted it, in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then jumping down to verse 24, Jesus carries on that train of thought. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and great was its fall. What is the fruit that God is looking for in your life and in my life and in Christians' lives? Jesus says here in Matthew 7, the fruit is not signs, wonders, tongues, prophecies, miracles. The fruit is obedience. The fruit that God is looking for in our lives is reading this word of his and doing it. It's, it's not a glamorous thing, is it? It's, it's not something that's going to get you a stage. It's not something that's going to make you a Christian celebrity. It's not something that's necessarily going to get you onto God TV. But I'll tell you this, it's the thing that God is looking for in heaven. God is much, much, much more interested in our hearts and in our obedience to him than he is in signs and wonders and all those things. And certainly, when we are obedient and when we do chase after God and when we do follow God, certainly those things may come. Certainly there are many who have healing ministries and prophetic ministries and gifted preachers and worship leaders who have a heart which is chasing after God and who are obedient and as a result of their obedience, God blesses them. But it starts with the obedience. It starts there. That's the fruit that God is looking for. You see, in the economy of the kingdom of heaven, success is measured very differently to the way we see it. In the economy of the kingdom of heaven, success is measured by obedience. Success is measured by, are you going to do what God calls you to do? Are you going to do what God says to do in the Bible? It's both super simple and also super hard, right? <laughs> super simple and super hard. You know, obedience is easy when we want to do that thing anyway. 
regularly have this conversation with my children, regularly. You know, they are really so obedient when I tell them that it's time for pudding. Super obedient then. I'll tell you what, when I say, hey guys, we're going to have a TV dinner, come, come and sit on the sofa and watch some TV. Really obedient children. Really obedient. But when I say, guys, you need to turn off the tablet, it's time to go to school now, they, they find that harder. That's a harder obedience. I have to say, as growing up as a child, I, I found this, right? Obedience wasn't my strong point. You, that shock horror, you were all thinking, gosh, Sam, I can't believe that of you. You can ask my parents. They will testify to the challenge that caused me and them, in fact. Um, but we, we struggle, don't we? And that's true of grown-ups. It's not just kids, is it? It's easy to do what we're supposed to do when we want to do it. But actually, why do I have to drive at 40 when there's no other cars on the road... And, uh, and this road is so wide and smooth. Why do I have to do 40? It's easy to obey when we want to, when we understand. It's much harder when we don't. For kids and for, for adults. Jesus calls us to obedience not just when we want to. It's the conversation I have with my kids. It's not just do you what you're told when you want to do it, because that's not the point. Just do what you're told. It's not, it's, that's the same with God. It's not read the Bible and see what God says, that we, how we should live. And you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I'll do that one. Ah, I'm not so sure about that. I don't know. The fruit that God is looking for in the heart of believers is obedience. It's a pursuit of him. Jesus says it's hard actually, doesn't he? In, um, where is it? A few, a few, a couple of chapters later. Where, where is it? There is Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus says this. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would, leave, uh, would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's a, it's a laying down of our lives. It's a, man, this is what I used to do. This is what I want to do. But I'm going to lay this down for you, Jesus. Even if I don't understand, even if I'd rather do that, I'm going to lay that down and follow you. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what it is to be a disciple. We see that in, in, uh, in the calling of the disciples. Again, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. You see, the, the call of discipleship, the call of a Christian is obedience to God and leaving behind those things that used to be. Leaving behind those things that perhaps we want to do in our flesh, but actually we know are not right in God. These are the things that God calls us to, friends. What is it to be a Christian? What is it to bear good fruit for the kingdom? Not signs and wonders and miracles. Bearing good fruit from the kingdom starts with obedience. Laying down your life 
and chasing after Jesus, following Jesus. That's what it is to be a disciple, right? Now, there's something important about this. This obedience that God calls us to is not a begrudging, legalistic obedience, right? Those of you who have kids, you'll recognize that, right? There's sometimes obedience can be kind of dragged out of a child. But that's, that's not what God calls us to. No, the obedience that God calls us to is driven by two things, love and love. We'll talk about both of them independently. We, the first love that calls us and leads us and drives us to obedience is God's love for us. God's love for us draws us into obedience of him. Think this through with me for a second. Think just for a moment about how much it is that God loves you. Just, just, just think about that for a second. That God's love for you is so vast, so vast, that he would die so that you might be in relationship with him. God's love for you is so vast that before he made you, he knew he was going to have to do that. Before he created the world. You know that God's decision to create and to save the world are simultaneous, right? When God creates the world, he knows the cost. He knows that to love you and to show his love for you, he would have to die on a cross. That is significant love, isn't it? It's significant love. That's how much God loves you. Now let's just have a think. So park that for a second. Now let's have a think about how much God knows. God knows a lot, right? God knows an awful lot. Some of you guys, you know a lot. You're like, the chase, absolutely, absolutely crack that. I could win the chase on my own. Don't need three other team members. Got that, nailed. You would be like the super millionaire and who wants to be a millionaire? You know a lot. But I tell you what, anything that we know, the most intelligent person knows nothing compared to what God knows. Because there's an infinite number of things to know. Which means no matter how much you know, you don't know how much more there is to know anyway. <laughs> right? There's, there's, there's a lot to know and God knows it all and, and we don't. So let's put those two things together. God loves you more than anyone else. God knows absolutely everything. Do you think, therefore, it's a good idea to do what he suggests? <laughs> Can you see that, right? Sometimes I have this conversation with my children. I go, who loves you the most? You, Daddy. So because I'm telling you to do this thing, do you think that's going to be a good thing for you? Or do you think this is going to be a bad thing for you? Oh, it's probably going to be a good thing because you love me, Daddy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, escalate that to God who loves so much more and who knows so much more. Surely what God... In encourages us and instructs us to do is going to be beneficial for us, right? We might not see it, we might not understand it, but we know God's love for us. We know how much he loves us, we know how much he knows, and that drives us to go, wow, that's a good idea, let's obey, let's be obedient, let's do what he says, right? So love drives us to obedience. But the other thing that drives us to obedience is love. And this other love is, is our love towards God. Because God loves us, he stirs our hearts and our hearts respond in love for him. We love singing, don't we? We sung songs this morning in worship of God because we love God and we want to sing and do those things. And so our love for God also leads us to obedience. Because we love to 
bless those who we love, don't we? We enjoy doing things for those who we love. We want to honor them and we want to love them and we want to do those things. And so God calls us to obedience. God calls us to follow him. God calls us to do what is right, not through begrudging. Not through that. But going, God, I recognize your love for me and so this is going to be good for my life. Even if I can't see it, I know this is going to be good for my life. God, I love you and I want to honor you. And so let's do it. This is the obedience that God calls us to. And so there's a challenge there, isn't there? There's a challenge there as to, are we going to be obedient? It's an important thing in Jesus' teaching. Jesus says it's the fruit of a Christian, the fruit of a true Christian. How do you know if someone's a true Christian? They're obedient to God. It's what it is to be a Christian. Being a Christian isn't praying a prayer in 1997 once. That's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is, is being obedient to God. In fact, the very last instruction of God, of Jesus, to his disciples in Matthew 28. Have you ever thought about that? Matthew 28, we love the Great Commission, don't we? Go to all the world and make disciples and baptize people. Hallelujah! That's not quite the last instruction. The last instruction of Matthew 28 is this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We love that bit, and then we pretend we finish, we dodge the next little bit, and we finish. The next thing, the very last instruction of Jesus is this. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's going to be important, right? This is the last thing that Jesus tells his disciples to do. The last thing he tells them to do. And the question is, will we? Will we be obedient to God? Not only in the things that we get and we understand and we like, but will we be obedient to God in those times when actually obedience seems to make life harder for us? Will we be obedient to God when, quite frankly, we want to do something different to what God's telling us to do? Will we be obedient to God in, in those moments? Some of you need to think on that. For some of you, you you're the house builder, and, and you, most of your house is built on the rock. You started building the house on the rock, but you've started a little extension. You start a little extension over some, some sandy land. That extension needs to come down, friends. It's so easy to go, well, most of my house is on the rock. But what about that bit of your life? What about that extension on the sand? That needs to come down. Now, the, the good news, of course, is that God's love for us and God's grace for us means that when we screw it up, because we will, every single day, we will. There is no one who will be perfectly obedient to God. And so this morning's message is not, gosh, I'm not a Christian anymore because I always get things wrong. But it's a heart attitude thing. Because God in his mercy and in his grace through Jesus' blood forgives us when we screw it up. God in his mercy and in his grace, when we get things wrong, when we're not obedient, we find forgiveness at the cross to start again. We find healing at the cross to start again and we can come to God and go, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up again. 
and we know that God will forgive us. But where's our heart in it? That's the question. Where's our heart? Is our heart towards God, saying, I want to follow God. I want to pursue God. I want to obey God and do what God calls me to do in all of my life. Will I lay it all down or not? It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge, I believe, for all of us. Let's be a people who are obedient to God. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to follow Jesus, to be obedient to what he says. And the wonderful news is, folks, that as ever, God doesn't just call us to do this and leave us, but he gives us the perfect example in Jesus. The perfect example in Jesus Christ who is obedient to God the Father, humbling himself and dying for us. Man, if there's anything that I might not want to do in obedience, (laughs) it would be being crucified. But Jesus gives us this perfect example of obedience to the Father as he comes and as he dies for us in our place. Let's let's read it. Let's read it. We're going to close with this. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we'll pick up verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Friends, my encouragement to you as I step down from leading here at Good News Church, my encouragement to you is this, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Friends, one day the name Sam Priest will be relegated to the annals of history. The name Good News Church will be forgotten in this town. One day it will. History tells us that. But there is a name which is exalted forever. And that name is Jesus. That name is Jesus. And friends, my encouragement to you as we leave and as I step down, keep your eyes on Jesus. Make your life, make your life a life of sacrifice to his name. Make everything you do be about bringing glory and honor to the name of Jesus. And do you know how you do that? We don't do that first and foremost by 
prophesying and healings and signs and wonders, the first thing we do to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus is to be obedient to what he says and to worship him with our lives. So friends, let us be a people who keep that in mind, who live as Christians and who chase after the name of Jesus Christ, bringing honor and glory to his name. Amen? I feel like we should respond. Band, would you guys, would you guys come back up? Some of you guys, frankly, you need to repent. Let's, let's not be about the bush. I haven't got time. I've only got a couple of hours left of being an elder, so let's get going. Some of you guys, crack on. You need to repent. Some of you guys do. So even as I was sharing there, some of you guys, there are things in your life you're like, man, I've not been obedient to God in this. This area of my life is not glorifying Jesus. Some of you guys need to repent for all those things. Sometimes we need people to stand with us and you can say, hey, would you help me? Would you help me? I'm struggling in this area of my life. I'm struggling in this. Please stand with me and pray with me and help me. And you can grab someone and they can pray with you or you can repent. But friends, let's just sing. Let's sing and let's worship and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And let's use these songs to declare that our lives are going to be laid down for the glory and the honor of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand together. And I'm going to hand over to...